Hello, welcome back to Uncertified and Unqualified. I am Anna. And I'm Rita. And today we're going to talk about the history of policing in America. To start, a little precedent we want to set just to begin is you have to think about policing in America in terms of the North and the South and, like, it's policing in America started in different areas at different times. Yeah, because, um... Little tiny police forces, like, started in certain areas, but there wasn't always centralized police force. And then, like, obviously things were different in the South and the North, especially, like, when America was becoming America. So you kind of have to think about it in two different areas. It's not all unified, like, how it is sort of today. It's still not really unified today, but it, it was definitely different back then. So America actually followed the development of policing that England did. Um, So England started out kind of, they referred to it as the watch or private for profit policing. And um, Boston was actually the first place to create this like night watch force in 1636 and then followed by New York, Philadelphia, kind of in, you know, those city areas. Um, And the night watch really wasn't for crime control. Um, they actually often slept or drank on duty a lot. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they were kind of just volunteers who were really just trying to get away from being in the military, um, and kind of were just watching I just, for public disorder. This makes me wonder, you know, <laughs> you see movies like Paul Blart Mall Cop and, like, movies like that, and other, you see like, the lazy, donut-eating policeman stereotype. Yeah. It makes me wonder if that's where it all originated, if that, like, history of lazy watchmen that slept and drank on the job, if that's where that started. Honestly, it probably could be. And also, why do we have that stereotype? Do we? I feel like that's a little bit dangerous that we have that stereotype of police, that they're, like, lazy and eating donuts, because... I feel like they really shouldn't be lazy and eating donuts no. for the job title they have so that's a little bit of a scary stereotype especially considering that they carry weapons yeah like, yeah that's just terrifying i don't know if that's the picture of a person i want to be carrying a weapon you know yeah. <laughs> but that yeah yeah so then after we have the watch system you get a system of constables official law enforcement officers um, Imagine being called a constable. constable. Low-key, low kind of a power move. Like, it's a, little, it's a little dorky, but, like, being, like, sub-constable, like, you know, I feel like that'd it be It sounds cool. like constipated. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Uh, I don't I mean, know. Maybe Do you I, think that's cool? Maybe I retract that Sub-constipated. <laughs> Why are we children? Why are we children? Oh, my okay. God. All right. All Maybe right. we'll make those into t-shirts. Subconstipated. And have a picture of a constable. That would be funny. It. Let us know. Hit us up if <laughs> you want that to be a thing. Subconstipated. Although, oh, we don't have a large following. I don't know if That's we want to just walk around with, with that and not know. <laughs> um, but these constables were kind of supervising the activities of the Night Watch. So again, very low level, not really formal police sort of situation. But this is kind of how it started out. Um, You really don't get the idea of a centralized police department until, like, the 1830s. Um, Boston, again, 1838, establishes the first American police force, followed by New York, Albany, Chicago, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Newark, 
Baltimore, you know, the major cities. And by all by 1880s, all major US cities had a municipal police force. These modern police shared a few similar characteristics. They were publicly supported and in uh, like bureaucratic form. Um, they were full-time employees, not volunteers like how the watch was. They were department departments with like permanent rules and um, it wasn't in continuous employment and they were accountable to the central government authority. So that's kind of what was going on up in the major cities in the north and such. What was going on in the south was the modern police organization in the south started from slave patrols. Yeah, the first formal slave patrol was created in the Carolina colonies in 1704. Um, slave patrols had, like, three, like, mainly my main primary functions. Similar to the modern police force up in the north. Right, to chase down, apprehend, and return to their owners, runaway enslaved people. Um, second, to form form an organized, um, or it was a form of organized terror to deter those revolts of enslaved people, and for the third, to maintain a form of discipline for those, um, slave workers who were subject to some summary justice outside of the law if they violated any of the plantation rules. And it's also, I think it's very important to note that this started in 1704, and the first, like, unified police force that was, like, centralized and such for, like, at least cities, and at least in the North, didn't come until 1838. So, really, the genesis of police in America comes from slave patrols. Yeah. And apprehending enslaved people who are running away, like, stopping slave revolts, disciplining enslaved people. That's really where it started. Yeah. Um, And even after the Civil War, those same people, or that same force, were controlling freed enslaved former enslaved people who were now working in the agricultural caste system of the south with like sharecropping and they were also enforcing jim crow segregation laws which were designed to keep formerly enslaved people and african americans in america from getting equal rights and access to being a part of the political system this is almost is as bad as the Electoral how College is. is. It is as bad yeah. as how the Electoral College was formed. If you haven't listened to our oh episode goodness. on the Electoral College, go back and listen to it. It's part of season one. America is literally just a history of stopping African Americans from doing anything. Yeah. And other people of color. And just, other minorities, etc. Yeah. But yeah, we have a huge history and issue of racism in America. And to deny that is quite simply wrong. Yeah. And, and very harmful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then I'm also going to be talking a little bit about the different eras of his of policing in America because now 1850s we're kind of starting to get more of uniform police forces and there's um kind of eras you can look at and date by history. So as places were becoming urbanized, um there was kind of this push to control like public disorder, like public drunkenness and prostitution and other things to that sort that was, like, a lot more visible in urban areas, um, but actually, like, stopping crime or, like, an increase in crime in urban areas wasn't really there. It wasn't really their M.O. 
Yeah, that, first of all, there really wasn't a, a huge increase of crime, and that's really not what they were focusing on. It was more uh, public disorder. So you get the political era, which is from the 1850s to the 1920s, and if you know anything about that era, we have a huge wave of immigrants coming, and there is a lot of corruption in America because we have political bosses who are taking advantage of these immigrants to use them to get votes and to exploit them as workers in their factories as we are becoming more urbanized and the industrial revolution and more of a labor force coming in and the police really did just work for these political bosses because they were in power yeah there's one thing you have to always consider with revolutions such as the industrial revolution and even revolutions that weren't in america it's who was it revolutionary for and who did it leave out that's those are like really big things that is good to think about Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as we're getting more industrialized and we have more of a labor force, the bosses exploited workers. Yeah. Long hours, dangerous working conditions, very low pay, and these political bosses were kind of controlling everything they did, and they could not even, like, get these people out of power because we did not have the Australian secret ballot yet, and people knew who you voted for. And they would come and get you if they did not, if you did not vote for the right person. Um, And I actually have here, the only, this is, this information is actually from the um, Eastern Kentucky School of Justice Studies, uh, Dr. Gary Potter. This, in his writing, which he quotes um, from another writer, the only effective political strategy available to exploited workers was what the economic elites referred to as rioting, which is actually a primitive form of what would become union strikes against employers. This is before we had unions. And so these modern police forces not only became an organized body of men who were legally allowed to use force to maintain order, but also provided the illusion that this order was being maintained under the rule of law and not at the whim of those with economic power. They were literally using police to further their own economic gains, powers, corruption. Yeah, this is so important to note because the perpetuating of corruption, especially in the police force, has such a broad impact and has continued to perpetuate into today Mm -hmm. and if you look at this it looks their big use is to stop rioting of exploited workers and if you quite literally suppression literally suppressing people from standing up for their basic needs of life and if you think about that and you go back to the genesis of policing in america and you think about slave patrols what were they doing they were controlling enslaved people mm-hmm. who were trying to be free. It's suppression it all along. Sounds like a problem to me. We tried to fix this a little bit with the reform era in the 1930s and the 1940s, where we started the civil service members and we were trying to be efficient. That really was not doing much for us. Um, it, it really just was not working out for us. And then we enter the professional era, 1945 to the late 1970s, where we're trying to incorporate new technology um, and be more accountable, um, try to get rid of some corruption. 
make it a little better. It's still not working for us. And then we tried some community policing, which is actually really interesting. If you know anything about um, community policing, it's literally a philosophical shift in what the role of police should be to the community. You um, are supposed to be more integrated in the community and doing more like civil service things for the community, um, trying to help them. It's actually really interesting if you know anything about it. I, I would say look it up more and we can even go in depth on that in something, maybe another form of media. Um, it's very interesting, but then... <laughs> We, this, this is also happening actually at the same time as like zero tolerance policing, which is very problematic because they thought that if, you know, there was a little bit of public disorder happening, the area would become more conducive to crime because the community wasn't caring as much about their area. And so they were really cracking down on that, right. which is very dangerous because... Mm -hmm. You're arresting people for very minor offenses. Right. And then 2001, post 9-11 era. 2001 to 2014, you have the militarization of police. We're focused on terrorist threats. Police forces and other forces alike, very high tension moments. It's very much like we need to protect ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's scary because it was really played out of fear. Yeah. And now we're in the, um, what people are calling the accountability era, where we are getting more of a heightened awareness of what the community wants and demands for transparency and trying to change the relationship that police have with minorities or stopping police from being a main function and doing all of these different things. And it's actually interesting because... You can see how policing is also tied to mass incarceration, which I can touch on for a little bit. Actually, now, one in every 36 adults is under correctional control. I That's insane. It's insane and ludicrous and should not be true. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world. Yeah. And that... I Should not be... And for what? Yeah. <laughs> and for what? Literally for what? Because we're not helping people when they come out either. They're just getting rearrested. Yep. And this is, has a lot to do with um, the crime control model, which is what we use now today, where we use more incapacitation and more strict supervision with mandatory minimum sentences. So, like, the judge doesn't have any discretion on how long a person will be staying in if there's a law saying... That this is the mandatory minimum for this arrest. That's what it is. Yeah. Truth in sentencing, um, where you literally will do... You'll do your whole sentence. You're not getting out early for good behavior or something. And abolishing parole and the war on drugs. Like, it's insane. And it, it ties with policing because now police have this higher power? Almost, yeah. I don't know another a better word to use for that, yeah. yeah. But there's other, um, if you want to hear 
more about mass incarceration, we will gladly do an episode on mass incarceration um, on another time. Mm -hmm. So if you want to hear more about that, we will uh, put out a poll on our Instagram, which is uncertified and unqualified pod. If you would like us to do an episode on mass incarceration, please respond and interact with us and let us know, and we will gladly get on that for all of you. Also watch the documentary 13th on Netflix, because that talks about mass incarceration, it talks about the war on drugs, it talks about racism in America. It's very interesting. I highly recommend. It talks about policing as well. And it really does a very good job at detailing the history of that as well. Yeah. So again, that was the documentary 13th on Netflix. Yes. But with all of these models and the changes going on over time, the policing in the United States has changed over time and has had these different models and different forms have emerged. But it's really important to know that, know, like, how these centralized police forces started as a way to control their ideas and their, well, yeah, their, their ideas of public disorder and how to capture enslaved people. Mm-hmm. And keep those political bosses and others who were in power in power yep keep the the minorities down they weren't being used to stop well they they weren't being used to stop crime they were being reactive well at least that's what they do now they are a reactive force like when crime occurs they arrest someone they're not stopping crime they're not they're very, they're not proactive, they're reactive. They're not working on structures in society to help people from committing crimes. They're just reacting when crime happens. And I think that's really important to note because I think people want police to do a lot more than what their actual job would be. And it's not conducive to their history either. No, absolutely not. Policing in America has never been used to stop crime they might have said it was been used to stop crime but it's not that's not true. it's not actually what they're doing yeah yeah uh they have throughout history been used by those in those these forces have been used by those in power to control the people who threaten that power and to silence and suppress those voices who wish to have power for themselves Mm -hmm. and you can see it through their history they start with slave patrols in 1704 in the Carolina colonies. They work as people who are trying to get out of the military and sleep and drink on duty. Yeah. They are just there to... Not a good start, guys. (laughs) No, no, not a good start. Not a good start. They are stopping public disorder from happening, which, I mean, public disorder, I guess, but... But that's Why? Like, that's such a broad, and they can un- really be defined by who's in power. Yeah, it's such a broad, unspecific, unspecified term, public disorder. So, like, what does that's? It's such an umbrella term. I feel like it that, is. and if they, if they would have specified, but like like Anna said, it was controlled by those people who were in power yeah. who chose to define it as they saw fit, who that would fit their mm-hmm. agenda. And they were putting down riots by exploited workers. They were being used to stop people from literally fighting back against long work hours, dangerous conditions, and low pay. Before unions. Before unions. And even during unions. Yeah, during unions Watch well. Newsies. Watch Newsies. Literally just watch Newsies. Watch Newsies. That's on Disney+. Plus. There you go. I'm full of recommendations. Watch <laughs> Newsies. 
Plus, it's good and good to watch anyway. So. That is that is good. I do like it, but you know what? It does make you feel a little happy go lucky in the end, and that's not exactly. They really saw. They didn't really. Yeah, not exactly it. It's but it's a musical, so what can you do? And it's right. got Jeremy Jordan, so you can't. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Right. Well, thank you guys for listening today. This was a lot to date to handle, and feel free to come back and revisit us as many times as you want to fully be able to understand the broad scope of this information. And do your own research, too, if you're curious. Absolutely. We'll provide any links, any and all links, um, to information that we have, and hopefully it will be able to assist you in your studies. So, we are Uncertified and Unqualified. You can find us on Instagram at Uncertified and Unqualified Pod, and we release episodes every other Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for joining us today. Bye, Bye. now. Bye.